grace and peace be yours in abundance. Amen. The scripture for our message this morning, the second lesson we heard from Ephesians chapter 6. Dear friends in Christ, someone's very wisely observed that Satan works his hardest on believers because everyone else is either no threat to him or is already in his camp, right? But sadly, you and I so often underestimate Satan's power and his influence in our world and his influence on us. And at the same time, we also underestimate the Lord's power against him. And so we rely on ourselves and fail. That's why it is in Ephesians chapter 6, you don't hear the Apostle Paul say to us, now, know your own strength. Instead, he says so clearly, know Satan's strength and know the Lord's greater strength, his unbeatable armor. He writes, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. From the spiritual point of view, our world is not a warm, rosy, wonderful place. It's a battleground, and our souls are the prize. It was just one chapter earlier that the Lord said this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, because the days are evil. Our Savior calls Satan the prince of this world. And for people who don't trust in the Savior, Satan is the one who rules their hearts and minds. But sadly, he also rules the sinful nature that's within me and you as well. And it's so obvious. We look at our world, and what do we see? Everything from crime to hatred to terrorism to materialism to envy to racism and divisions on all sides. And then our Savior would say, look inside too. It was Jesus who said, it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. If you want a vivid picture of Satan's power, just read a few chapters from the book of Revelation. He's compared to ancient heathen Babylon, that nation that so horribly oppressed and attacked God's people Israel. But then Revelation takes it up one step. It calls him Apollyon, the destroyer, the one who drinks the blood of God's saints. He leads people away from God with earthly power and earthly riches. He entices them to share in his sins in the hope that they will share in his fate in hell. 
and he's got allies in our world and in ourselves. Now, maybe when you heard this description of the enemy, you scratched your head a little bit when Paul said, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. But realize, that's where Satan started out. As one of God's spiritual servants, an angel, who rebelled against God and was cast out of heaven along with the demons, the other evil angels. He's cast out, he's angry, and he is a powerful angel. But realize, he's only an angel. He is not the Lord. And the Lord's strength is greater. And don't you underestimate the Lord's strength in this battle. So the apostle writes, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then he says it not once but twice, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil. So our strength is the Lord's strength. Our armor is the Lord's armor. The very same one who called you to faith, the one who lived and died for you, the one who forgave all your sins, is also the one who equips you for this battle. And it was back in Ephesians chapter 2 that Paul wrote those familiar words, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. God's gift to save you also made you a member of his kingdom, not a member of Satan's kingdom. And even though you have a sinful nature within you, when you came to faith, the Lord also implanted a new nature in you that desires to do God's will. Now that means there's a struggle, right? Don't I know it? And don't you know it, right? But that's why it is that the one who gave us faith and forgiveness and salvation also gives us the unbeatable armor for this fight. Now, Paul begins his description of our armor for the fight with the least glamorous piece of equipment. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. That belt is the most necessary because it holds everything up, right? Everything from your pants to your sword. And in the case of God's people, it is the belt of truth, that is, God's truth in his word, because we're fighting the one whom Jesus calls the father of lies. And Satan's lies can be as simple and innocent-sounding and enticing as the lie he told to the first human beings you can be like God. Why not? You can set your own standards, right? 
You can set your own standards for honesty, for love, for your conversation, for your goals in life, for how you run your family, for how you run your business. You're good enough, you're smart enough. Who's going to tell you different? But you know what's the result of us setting our own standards? They might start out just fine, but so often they just descend to the lowest common denominator. We say, well, that's just how I feel. Or worse yet, everybody else is doing it. And why do we end up there? Because we've lost the belt of truth. And when we lose God's truth, you know what? Satan is going to pants us. And he does again and again. Then a piece of defensive hardware, Paul says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. For an ancient soldier, that was armor that covered him from his neck to his thigh, both front and back. For you and me, that protection is the righteousness of Christ in which you and I have been dressed since the day of our baptism. And it's really important to remember that it's Christ's righteousness because your righteousness and mine can be so easily punctured, right? The Bible says that Satan is the great accuser who accuses God's people day and night. Do you ever wonder why it's so hard to forget your past sins, your mistakes, your screw-ups? Why you keep dragging those through your life year after year? It's the great accuser at work. And Satan would love to defeat you with despair. He'd love you thinking that you're just not good enough for God, you're not good enough for other people. He'd love God's people waving the white flag of surrender rather than routing him with God's perfect forgiveness and the righteousness of our Savior. Then history tells us that the great armies like Alexander's or the armies of the Caesars won by mobility. Our mobility comes from feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You have peace with God. You have peace of conscience because you don't have to go through life burdened with guilt and shame and fear because God has forgiven all your sins. That peace with God lets you be ready to serve God, to serve your neighbor. It gives you that wonderful readiness to even take risks and say, oh, that's what God would want me to do, I'll do it. Because I know I'm loved, because I know I'm forgiven. Rather than being paralyzed by worry and fear, we live based on Jesus' promise to us, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things, all that you truly need, will be given to you as well. Talk about having a readiness to go, there it is.
then battle is full of sharp, dangerous objects. So we take up the shield of faith with which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Satan fires at us with all kinds of fiery, sharp arrows. And scripture describes them as things like crises, anguish, persecution, doubt, lust, vanity. And he aims these arrows specifically at your personal weaknesses and pet sins and mine. And I think a classic example is something we read about two months ago in our gospel lesson. Do you remember the account of the synagogue leader named Jairus whose daughter was deathly ill and he came to Jesus to ask Jesus to heal her? And as they were going to Jairus' house, Jairus' servants arrived with the news, your daughter is dead, don't bother the teacher anymore. Satan's arrows had hit right where Jairus was the weakest. His dear daughter, he was fearful already that she would die, and now she had. But you remember Jesus' response? Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. Rather than focusing on ourselves, on our weaknesses, our fears, faith focuses on the Lord who forgives and saves and heals. And then, even with all the other equipment, a soldier would never go without a helmet, you know why. A simple blow to the head, whether from the enemy or even just from an accident, could mean his life. Now our final protection is the helmet of salvation. Our salvation is a gift from God. It's already yours and mine. No one can take it away from us. This is our final and ultimate protection. And we hate to say that, don't we? That worst case scenario for one of God's people is that we die and go to heaven. The helmet of salvation. The ultimate, perfect, final weapon. But finally, there's one offensive weapon. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, the sword that the Apostle Paul is describing here is the sword of a Roman soldier. They weren't a long sword for slashing or for fencing, it was a short sword meant for stabbing in close contact. It was deadly. And probably the perfect example of how that sword works and how it's so deadly to Satan is to think of that account in the scripture where Jesus is being tempted by Satan. And with each temptation, he comes back so simply and so powerfully and says, it is 
written. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God, absolutely deadly to Satan. The word of our salvation, God's truth. Which brings us to the takeaway today. The army that the Apostle Paul knew, the soldiers the Apostle Paul was familiar with, were Roman soldiers and the Roman army. The Roman army was numerous, was well-equipped, and was so effective. But its real strength wasn't in its equipment or its numbers, but in its training. And an ancient historian named Josephus wrote this about Roman soldiers. He wrote, They do not sit with folded hands in peacetime, only to put them in motion in the hour of need. On the contrary, as though they had been born with weapons in their hand, they never have a truce from training. The point is simple, right? God gave you salvation and God gave you the weapons for the fight. Use them. But realize, yes, Satan is threatening. Yes, he has allies in our unbelieving world and also in ourselves. But God is God. And he has provided us with all we need to win the battle. Above all, don't underestimate God's power against Satan and his unbeatable army, his unbeatable armor. He's given it to you. Practice with it and use it. Amen.